James chapter number 4, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 7 here this evening. Well, let's start in verse 6. Um, uh, we ended in verse 6 last week. We'll pick up in verse 7, but we'll, we'll begin in verse 6 here as a reading. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And we said last week, that's a wonderful thing. Once we, James kind of beats us up and brings us to the place where we are looking at our flaws and our faults and why we behave the way we behave, he doesn't leave us there. He says this, God gives more grace. And so whatever level of grace you need in your life, it's available through God. Verse number seven, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, and ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. And humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. I want to um, look at this evening. You ever, did you ever hear that phrase, I've fallen and I can't get up? You've heard it. You've heard it. Normally they play that during the daytime. Um, for, I guess, certain individuals that are home during the day. Um, <laughs> I've fallen and I can't get up. And that's a, that's a serious thing if you've fallen and you can't get up. And, and, and James here is going to talk to the Christian that has fallen. But the good news is this. James says this. If you've fallen, you can get up. Christians don't have to stay down. Christians don't have to stay in that state of sin and despair. There is a remedy. That remedy is Jesus Christ. And so even though you've fallen, James, James is bringing all that together. Here, you, Christian has fallen and talks about uh, verse number one, fightings and wars. And he goes into verse number four about adulterers, adulteresses. And, 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 and he says in verse five, do you think Scripture saith in vain the spirit that dwelt in us lusteth the envy? And he's talking about that lust of your flesh and the, the envy. And what he is saying is this, we as Christians don't have to live there. There's forgiveness, there's grace. And I want you to look, we're going to look first, we're going to come down to verse number 9, and then we'll come back up to verse number 7 and finish our study through verse 10 here this evening. And verse number 9, kind of these verses sit right in the middle, and if you look at those, at first look at 9, you think, what's he talking about? I mean, he's, he's, he's talking about drawing nigh to God in verse 8, and in verse number 10, humble yourself. And right in the middle of those two verses, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to, to heaviness. What does that have to do with anything he's talking about in these verses surrounding it? And I think that James is trying to get the Christian to understand, first of all, is this the seriousness of your situation. Living a sinful life, living a lust-filled life, Christians ought to see that as a serious thing. It's serious. Verse 9 tells us the seriousness of our situation. I think he's getting us as Christians to understand this is not something that we ought to play games with. This is something that we ought to truly take serious. We as Christians should not be okay with our lust, our flesh controlling our lives. There's a time that we ought to realize affliction's going to come. We ought to mourn. We ought to take serious. We ought to weep. 
everything is not a game. We ought not live our Christian life like it's a game. Like we can live whatever way we want to live. When he's talking about grace here, that is not grace that God gives. Don't worry, you can live whatever way, whatever life you want to live, whatever sinful lifestyle you want to live. Don't worry, God's grace will cover it all. You know, God's grace does, but we as Christians are not supposed to live a life however we want to live. And we need to come to the place where living a life of lust, living a life of envy, living a life of fighting and in, 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 in what James is describing here in the first few verses of James chapter 4, what he's trying to get us to understand is it ought to cause us some concern. If a Christian can live a sinful life without any concern, there's something wrong. Now, the reality is this. Every single one of us in this room are going to fall. There's nobody perfect. If you're sitting here and you think you're perfect and you're without sin, I hate to break it to you this evening, you're a sinner. There's no perfect people here. But that, not, that can't be an excuse why we do sin or we continue in our sin. That ought to cause us to understand the seriousness of this situation. James challenges us with the, the facts that once we're saved, the natural thing for us to do should be to show our salvation by our works. James's first couple chapters, we looked at that. The natural thing for the believer ought to be to show our salvation by how we behave. But the natural thing for the old man is to say, feed me. I'm hungry. I want what I want. I know what I like. Give me what I want. That's how the natural man or the, the, the old man operates. I'm reminded in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is talking to those that are coming to the Lord's table. And one of the, one of the things that he, he uh, says to those that are gathering together, he says, don't, don't take of this table unworthily. You know what Paul is saying? I think the same thing that James is getting us to understand. Take the Christian life seriously. Take your relationship with the Lord seriously. You know, I am so convinced that what is wrong with this country is that the Christian has lost their desire, that seriousness about their Christian walk. We could go days, weeks, months without ever talking to God. Christians can go years without ever opening the Bible in studying and learning from God's Word. Christians can go lengthy periods of time without yielding themselves to the Holy Spirit of God. And we wonder why we are in the trouble we're in. I think it's Christians' fault. We have gotten to a place where our sin isn't serious any longer. And Paul warns the Christian not to come to the Lord's table unworthily, not to come living in sin. And James is, is telling us to be afflicted, to be mourned, to weep. Don't laugh. Let, let your laughter uh, turn to mourning. Let your joy turn to heaviness. Realize this is real. Someone ever said to you, you know, you, you're in a situation and you're kind of laughing off and someone says to you, stop, I'm serious now. You're kind of joking around about it, and you say, no, I'm serious. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm not playing around. 
I think that's what James is saying here. This is something to take serious. Chapter 4, he talks about the problems between Christians. Whereas wars come from, and fightings amongst you. He speaks of lust and, and it eats away at us, causing us to sin. That lust that we have, if, if we don't deal with it properly, it eats away at us and eventually we live a life of sin and that's not the way the Christian is supposed to live. And then that sin, that lust and that envy, it causes wars, it causes fighting, it causes divisions amongst us. It's causing us to desire what's not ours. Lust, it causes us to be unsatisfied with what, we, uh, with what God's given us thinking that we need more. And James says in, in chapter 1, verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of what? His own lust. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and when, sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. And we're reminded here in chapter 4 that our lust, when it's conceived, it brings not good works, but it brings sin. James is getting us to realize this. It's serious. Take this matter seriously. Your lust will lead to sin. Your sin will lead to death. I want you to see in verse number 7, in verse number 6 we read this, that the Bible says, but he giveth more grace. And that's in, in response to letting our flesh control us, in letting our lust, and letting our envy control us, and the problems that come. And then he says, after pretty much he steps on our toes and he beats us up, he says in verse number six, but he giveth more grace. So you don't have to stay down. You don't have to get down and say, I've fallen, then I can't get up. You can, you can fall and say this, I in my own strength can't get up, but by God's grace, I can. I don't have to stay a defeated Christian. I don't have to stay in my sin. I can be victorious because of God's grace. That's a wonderful thing that James reminds us of. But our question is this, so how do I get it? All right, I've sinned. I've made decisions and I've let my lust control me. I've let my envy control me. I've let my flesh control me. All right, I'm in that place. I don't want to stay in that place. And I believe, because I believe God's Word, that I don't have to stay there, that God giveth more grace. But how do I get it? I've said to many of people over my ministry, I've said, you know, there's not a, like a, in my top drawer, I can't just pull out this magic pixie dust and throw it across my desk and make all of your problems go away. If I, if I could, I would. You see me running through church just throwing dust on everybody? But the reality is that's not real. But God's grace is real. So how do I, how do I get that? If I believe it's real and I've fallen and I want His grace, how does that happen? James gives us, here are the ingredients. He says this, there's a solution to this situation. Verse number seven, he says this, submit yourselves to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. What's that word submit mean? Someone, someone tell me this evening. Be obedient to, okay. Somebody want to add to that? Somebody say something over here? Give in, okay. 
bring yourself under that authority? Those, all those are great answers. Submission is this. It's total surrender. Have you ever been totally surrendered to God? You see, here James says in verse 6, but he giveth more grace, and, and I want that grace. How, how do I then receive that? Verse number 7, submit yourselves. Submit ourselves, therefore, to God. That means this, I am under his authority. Total surrender. Whatever God wants, he gets. Are you there? Are you there in your life as a Christian? Are you battling lust and battling envy and wonder, I don't understand why I can't get victory over this. I don't understand why this just keeps happening. I want the victorious Christian life. I don't want to live here consistently, and I believe that God says that I can have that grace, but are you totally surrendered to Him? You see, if I was totally surrendered, that means this, I refuse to fight back. I refuse to, uh, to tell God what I want in my life. I totally am surrendered to whatever He wants in my life. And that means this, if He desires for your life to go through trials, you're okay with it. If you, He desires for you to go through uh, situations and that requires a large amount of faith, you're okay with it. Are you totally 100% okay with God the way He's working in your life? Are you surrendered? You see, we can't get further into this if we don't come to the place where we have submitted ourselves to God. Meaning this, God, your way is the only way. I don't have to have what my flesh wants. I don't have to have what my own will wants. I don't have to have my list of things. I am totally satisfied just being under your authority. I'm submitting myself to you. I refuse to desire my flesh. That is total surrender. You know, in, in war, you would raise the white flag and allow someone else to come and rule over you. Your flesh is one that you want you, wants you to work for them. Your flesh and, and, and the Satan wants you to, to, to accomplish what they desire in your life. But God says, I want you to surrender. I don't want you to let those control you any longer. I want you to let me control you. You know what the good thing about this surrender is this. If you were at war and, and, and somebody were to surrender at war, they then put you in prison. They then put you in bondage. They then make you a, a prisoner of war if you surrender in war. But that's not the way it is with God. When you surrender to God, He sets you free. He doesn't put you into bondage. He didn't push you, put you into a, a cell. He, he allows you now to be a part of what He desires for your life. He sets you free from bondage. That's the surrender we get, we get when we surrender to Him. You, you choose my path. Are you comfortable saying, God, you choose my path? God, you choose my scenery? Or do you like to pick out what you see in life? I know I do. We like to have our choices. You know, we could get to a destination many different ways, and we like to go the, the way we like to see, right? Anybody ever take the scenic path? There's things that we like to see. We enjoy that. What if God says, that's not the path I want you on? Are you okay with that? 
If God says, I want to give you a path of sickness, I want to give you a path of trials, I want to, I want to give you a path, path of testing, are you okay with that path? The only way for us to experience that grace that God is willing to give so that we don't have to stay defeated in sin, we don't have to live that, that life where, where it seems like we're always down and we can't get up, we can have that grace, but are you willing to submit yourself to God? You know, Jesus said this, not my will, but thine be done. Paul said, I die daily. And Jesus said of, of when he was in the garden, he says this, God, let this cup pass. Think about the most vilest of sin that's ever been committed. Whatever you've ever done, the sin you've ever committed, whatever you've done, and the worst sin that's ever been committed in this, in this world, Jesus Christ took that very sin and put it upon Himself. And He shed His blood. He became that sin so that you did not have to pay that sin debt. And he said, God, I, I, Father, I'm not wanting to do that, but I'm wanting your will greater than what I desire. Is that the same desire you have? God, it's not about what I want. It's not about what I need. It's not about what, what life I want to experience in life. I am totally surrendered to whatever you desire for me. You know, we sing that song, I surrender all. Do we really mean it? But how do I surrender? All right, I, I need God's grace, and I accept that, and I realize this, the first way to that is a complete surrender to Him, but how do I do that? How do I totally surrender to Him? Aren't you glad James doesn't leave us there? There's a way. Verse number 7, look with me. He says, submit yourselves, surrender yourselves, give yourself under His authority. All right, I'm, I want to do that. How do I do that? He says, number one, this, resist the devil. Listen, Christian, understand and realize this. Satan is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is constantly on the prowl looking to destroy you. And it's not enough for us to just resist him once and then give in to it next time. You know what the Bible says here? Resist. How many times? Every time. How often? All the time. How long do I have to do this? I don't know. But however long it is, you must learn to resist whatever urge, resist whatever the devil throws at you, knowing this, he's going to do it. Listen, it doesn't happen. You're not, well, I've been saved for this amount of time, so I'm past all that now. That's just not true. Matter of fact, it's when you get to that place as the devil is walking around seeking to whom he may devour. You know he's looking to whom he can devour? The one that thinks that everything's good and I've arrived and I don't need to worry any longer. I've got it all under control. I've got all my sin is in check and all my lust is in check and all my envy is in check. You know, I'm living that perfect life. Listen, that's when Satan's going to come and he's going to bombard you with everything he possibly can. And when he does, James says this, if you want to submit yourself to God, you've got to resist the devil. You can't do both. Give to the devil and think that God, you're going to submit to God. It doesn't work. You're either going to submit to God or you're going to submit to your flesh. James says this, if you want that grace, there's a submission that takes place. How do I do that? When Satan comes along, I resist. Secondly, I want you to see 
He goes on, all right? Now, how do I resist the devil? That's a hard thing to do. He's so strong. He knows exactly what I want. How do I do that? James has the answer. You know, next thing he says, draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to Him. What's that mean? Somebody this evening, talk with me here. Draw nigh to God. What is it? Draw near. How about this? Come close. Do you ever, you've heard the story, the, the, the guy and the girl. Matter of fact, I think the Gagnes have a truck just like this. It's got a bucket seat, right? And the guy's driving, and if you look from behind, it looks like the person driving is one person with two heads. That's pretty close, isn't it? And then over the years, you know, the lady's over here and she's leaning against the door and she looks at her husband and she says, remember when we used to like sit next to each other? Remember when like people would pull up and make fun of us and say, oh, I thought you were like a two-headed person. And we'd laugh. And she's over here and she says, what happened? You know what that driver says? I haven't moved. And that's how it is with our relationship with God. Over time, we come to the place where we look and we say, boy, my prayer life isn't what it used to be. I don't sense His presence like I used to. And my devotional life isn't what it... I'm not, I'm not getting what I used to get. You know what God says? I haven't moved. And so what is the answer there? James says this, draw nigh to God. That means this, get back close to Him. Don't be satisfied being away. You know, Christian, if we're not careful, we are satisfied, we're okay with not hearing the voice of God. We're, not, we're okay with not sensing the presence of God. We just live our life in, in God, and His presence means nothing to us. And there's a wake-up call. James says you can have his grace, but you've got to resist the devil. But you can't just resist the devil without God's help. You've got to say no to Satan and draw back close to God. Get your joy back in the Lord. Get into his word and feed once again. And then he says this in verse number 8, so draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. And then he says this, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Get rid of your sin. Clean yourself up. Don't think that I'm going to accept this grace and, and I'm going to resist Satan, I'm going to draw nigh to God, and I think I'm still going to play around in this sin over here a little bit. It's different for every person, but what is that one sin, or maybe it's more than one, but what is that, what is that one thing that just completely... It seems like it consumes you at times. It's the one you love to play with. You know what uh, uh, James is saying? Cleanse your hands of it. Be clean. My wife, she um, likes to make, I don't know if I should tell you this, but she likes to make boiled, boiled eggs and she likes to eat egg salad. And that's like her special thing. I said that about coffee and people have gotten her Dunkin' Donuts coffee and so maybe next week you'll have some egg salad, babe. 
She loves egg salad, and our kids like to eat eggs. So our kids, when she boils those eggs, Chloe the other day grabbed one of those eggs, and she took all the white out of, off of the egg and ate all the white, and she's holding the yolk, and she comes up to me, and she says, Dad, I don't want this. Do you want it? <laughs> and normally I would have said yes. But I looked at her hands, and they were like, like she drug them through the mud outside first. <laughs> and I, I said, Chloe, did you just like peel that egg and eat that white egg? And she's like, yeah, it was good, Dad. No. And do you want this? I said, Chloe, your hands are filthy. And it's been all over your food. You just ate it, and, and now you want me to eat it. What's wrong with you? What are you, five? You know? She's five. <laughs> and it was the most disgusting thing. I said, go wash your hands. She said, but who's going to eat this? I said, throw it away. Nobody wants it. So she gives it to Gus, our dog. And, her, and that caused other problems. <laughs> and so we... If we're not careful, we live that way and our hands are dirty and we don't realize it. We live life and we consume and we do things and our hands are filthy. And James says this, cleanse your hands. Get rid of your sin. Stop living there. Stop consuming. Stop living where dirty hands are okay. Cleanse your hands. If you want to resist Satan and draw nigh to God, come clean. Stop playing in sin over here. Well, no one sees it. Well, eventually it's going to come out. Where's it going to come out? Because you're not drawing nigh to God. Where's it going to come out? You keep giving over to the, the wiles of Satan. Where's it going to come out? I'm not receiving that grace that I can have to live a victorious Christian life. Where's it going to come out? I'm constantly giving over to the lust of my flesh, and I don't know how to get out of this. James says you don't have to live there. Accept that grace and submit yourselves and resist the devil and, and draw nigh to God and get clean. Get that sin out of your life. Stop holding on to it. Verse number uh, 8, same thing. Purify your hearts. Stop holding it in. He says you double-minded. You know what he's saying? Earlier in the previous chapter, he says, stop praising God with your voice and go over here and talk about everybody else. Stop being double-minded. Stop living on the fence. Stop living one foot in the world and one foot pretending that you love the Lord. Stop living that double life. Stop thinking, can I get away with this? Is there any way that I could live a dual life? You know, many Christians would make great CIA agents. They're like spies. They live a double life. Listen, but we are ambassadors for Christ. That means this. We are no longer a part of this world. We are now an ambassador for Christ's sake. We, we now represent heaven, not this world. And people ought to know, I am an ambassador. I represent heaven. How do they know that? Because of how I live. And that's what James is trying to get us to understand all through this book. Well, how does someone see it? By my works, by how I live. Well, how do I behave that way? Because I'm right with God. And when I'm right with God, others receive blessings from it. I believe this. When a Christian is right with God, everyone they come in contact with should be blessed. God wants to use us as a Christian to be a blessing to others. If he can't use his own children, who's he going to use? 
It only comes, though, when we're pure in our heart, when we have clean hands. And then look with me in verse number 10. He says this, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Spirit of humility. We must come to God humble. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this grace. I don't deserve this relationship that God desires for me to have. But I want to willingly receive it. And then I'm done with this. I want you to see this thirdly is the reward. There's a reward. And this is the exciting thing. Look with me here. The Bible says that he giveth more grace. I can have the grace I need to live this victorious Christian life. How do I do that? I get it from from submitting. I get it from resisting. I get it from drawing nigh. I get it from cleansing my hands. I get it from having a pure heart. I get it from from the seriousness, realizing how serious this is. I get this from a humble life, humbling myself before God. So what happens when I behave that way? I want you to see three things real quick. The Bible says this, resist the devil. What happens when I resist the devil, does the Bible say? He flees from me. When I choose to live a life, when I resist the devil, you know what the reward is? He flees from me. That's a promise. So how long do I have to resist? I don't know how long you have to resist, but I know this, if you resist, eventually he'll flee. Secondly, I want you to see this. The Bible says this, draw nigh to God. What's the reward for drawing nigh to God? What's the next part of that? What is it? You know what that means? Come close to God. Come, come to the place where I realize that I'm distant and I have a desire to come close to Him. You know what He does? He comes and He meets me. Have you ever tried to be nice to someone that doesn't want you to be nice to them? Have you ever done that? And they, oh, it's almost like they get joy in you knowing that they're not going to be nice to you. And then you like say, you know what, I just won't be nice to them anymore. Or we want them to be nice and we go out of our way to be nice and it's like they're just going to show you they're not going to be nice. And you live this, this crazy life. Aren't you so good, glad God doesn't play those games? You know what he says? Draw nigh to me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to meet you halfway. If you want to get close to me, I'm going to come to you. It makes me think of that the prodigal son. When that prodigal son woke up and he says this, I can't live this life anymore. I'm going to go back and I'm going to meet my father and I'm going to ask him, you don't have to let me be a son. You can just let me be one of your servants. And that father's there on the porch and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. And he sees his son coming and he realizes that it's his son. And the Bible says that he goes out and he runs and he meets his son. He met his son and his son said, I I just want to be a servant. He says, no, no, you're going to be my son. And the tears were shed and the joy was there because that son had come home and the father didn't say to that son you know what you come all the way up on the porch matter of fact you know what you just come on in I'm going to go to my room and you just sit there for a while no the reward is this you draw nigh to God and he draws nigh to you you make that effort and he makes that effort he wants to hear from his children he doesn't push us away He doesn't play games. He doesn't say, all right, I'm going to let you suffer for a little while. Then I'll show you I love you. No, as soon as we come close to Him, He meets us. And we then are 
drawing nigh and his blessing is there. We're close to God once again. It's the reward we get. Third reward we see here is this. The Bible says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. What's the reward of that verse? He lifts you up. You come humbly before him and he doesn't put his foot on your neck and say, just stay there. He says, come humbly before me. I'll lift you up. I'll lift you up. You see, there's a reward for submission, for surrender. You see, there's a promise that we can claim. Aren't you so glad when James is speaking to us about the condition we're in, he says you don't have to stay there. When you give over to temptation, you give over to your lust, it's going to lead to sin, it's going to lead to death, but you don't have to live there. You don't have to let that happen. It doesn't have to be that way, Christian. And that's not the way the Christian ought to be. He's getting us to the place where our, our life is spent helping others. Our life is spent giving joy to others. Our life is spent giving to others and James is helping the Christian to get to that place so that we don't have to live in our guilt we don't have to live in shame we don't have to live in discouragement we can live with hope and joy and it comes from having grace how do I get it submit resist draw nigh to God cleanse your hands purify your heart be humble and the blessing is this. You do what you can do, what God says to do, and God then does what only He can do. And that's how we ought to live. So Christian, I don't have to do God's part. I just have to do my part. And God says when you do, I do what only I can do. Satan's going to flee. I'm coming to you, and I'm lifting you up. That's how we can live that victorious Christian life that James tells us. So there's no fighting, no turmoil, no, no wars that take place. The old man isn't controlling us. We're yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. 